this week on the Mental Health Monday podcast. <laughs> That's Greek, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. When really you should just be wearing a ski mask and no clothes. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> I'm the legend they talk about in that terrible Godsmack song. Wait, which, which terrible comment? <laughs> that little motherfucker isn't cool enough to see Marilyn Manson. But I poop a lot. I hear there's people out there that are willing to pay good money to have nuts in their mouth. As I still say, <laughs> Noctilus well, is like, hardcore. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Health Monday. Um, I do want to just do some brief trigger warning that on this episode we do talk about suicide, depression, and bipolar disorder a little bit. And we also talk about personal intimate details of life and uh, violence. And while we don't promote violence, we do want to make a mention that we it is talked about um, in a kind of negative setting. So just be aware of that with this episode. I don't want to edit all of that out. I hate all of that. Did you did you hate all of it because you started with a thick accent that I, you've never used before in your life? Yeah, yeah the the Toby coming off that. Yeah, yeah. I just want. Okay, let's do and cut it. Howdy y'all. Howdy y'all. I'm Q. I'm the obnoxious boot. Uh, I am not from the South. I've never lived in the South. Although some people do believe that Cincinnati is the South. That and I, because I'm from Kentucky, I say Cincinnati is north, I, or like Ohio is north. I think Kentucky is south. Like that's where I draw the line. You're not from Kentucky. You're from Hamiltucky. Yeah, I'm from Russia. If we really talk about it, though. <laughs> yeah. So you're from the west. You are the great, the great white north. The great white north. Okay. Yeah. I can get behind that. You're still the most Irish Russian looking person ever. What do you think you would be doing if you were in Russia still right now? What do you think you would be doing? Freezing my wrestling balls bears? off. I would. No, I'm not a confrontational person. I I probably wouldn't have made it by now. I think that I would have, uh, I would have lost. Instead of drinking White Claw, he'd be, he'd drinking, be drinking vodka, vodka. <laughs> nonstop. Out of the plastic squeeze bottle. Yeah. Like the big squeeze bottle of vodka. We Actually, how old are you, Karsten? I'm 28. You would technically just be retiring from the Army. Cause oh, yeah. yeah. It's mandatory over there. Well, that's deep. You think I would have made it in the Army, though? Yeah, like made it like with a bullet through your chest. <laughs> <laughs> And that is how we are going to start this episode. Welcome to Mental Health Monday, episode three, you guys. Uh, Today our guest on the show is Q, Mr. Uh, Gotta Keep It Positive, Mr. Obnoxious Boot. Um, If you don't know him, you'll hear a lot about his story, but uh, he is a great positive influence and he has gone through a lot of chronic pain, uh, dialysis, kidney failure, and he's going to talk a lot about this. and how it mentally, my perspective on it, and just being an outsider of a positive person, uh, what we wanted this episode to be about was how he can, people can go through so much negativity and turn it into a positive spin back and just make something great out of the worst things that happen to us. So Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming. Now we're going to bring those southern accents back. <laughs> he is, uh, but yeah, we're, we're really excited to have you on uh, today. Do you want to pull up your questions? I don't. I don't want to pull up my questions. I think we're we're getting. I'm I'm good. We're good to go. We are going to start with three positives, though. That's true. So we start out every podcast. We we have to start out. That's the one consistent thing about this. So the rest is all just kind of figuring shit out. But 
Um, and so, yeah, we are going to start with all three positives. Just a reminder, we start off with three positives because in the negative world, we constantly think about all the things that are going wrong, and it gives your brain a distraction to remind yourself that things are going to be okay and they're still good in every day. So today we are going to start with Ben again. Oh, wow, I feel special. Um, so my three positives for the week is... Mainly, I guess, going to be just stuff I'm looking forward to this week and weekend. Um, Because we actually recorded the second episode a few days ago. So I was actually like, I got home and I'm kind of, you know, thinking about the podcast and everything. And I'm like, I don't know what my three positives of the week are going to be. It's been three days. Three days. But yeah, and and right now we're recording on a Tuesday for for Monday. but tomorrow I am going to Reds game for like the first time in a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing the Padres. Hopefully they will, you know, do if, better than they did in San Diego. Do yes. better than they did when I went to. Well, I mean they did good. They only lost by yeah. one. By it's one, not yeah. Too bad. Um, and then I do get Monday off, which is awesome. I didn't think I was going to get July fifth off because it's not the fourth. Um, but they decided. Doesn't to give everybody us th- get it? Didn't they make it like? I think so. The I think it's the day, the day after a holiday. It's a federal holiday. It's a federal holiday. Yeah. Um, my wife has to work, which sucks, but mm. I get the day off, so. I know. Um, I'm not even going to look at it. I just know I am. And then my third positive is. I don't even know. What's something? Did you eat today? I did. What'd you eat? I had, okay, so for lunch, I had leftovers from Sunday, which was, we went to this, like, burrito place mm-hmm. in Coleraine, and they literally give you so much food that I got two meals out of it, and I, like, full, like, I was full to the brim off of one meal. Yeah. <laughs> and then for dinner, we had tacos, so if you can't tell, I have a problem. So, I mean, that sounds so, like So, like, you love Mexican food too much. I do. That doesn't sound Alaska. like a problem. That sounds but like I a like, positive. Um, see, I like Mexican food, but I also like, like, white people Mexican food. It's, I was going to say that. Where you go, you get, like, your ground beef and your It's okay. I like white cheese. people Russian food. <laughs> what is white Wait. people Russian food? It's, if you take something Russian and they, like, if you've ever had, like, true Russian cuisine, they don't. The one thing that everybody from America always says is they don't spice it up correctly. Yeah, there's no So if you basically flavor. just take, like, a Russian uh, recipe and then put, like, American spices into it. Russian kind of, this, kind of the same way that, like, black people have told me my whole life I don't know how to spice up potato salad correctly. Yeah. Which is also, like, a very, like, strong thing that, like, if you've ever had, like... Oh, like a like a family member, like a friend of yours, their family members, like from Haiti or Jamaica or stuff. Like, what they think spices that's supposed to go on, not even what they think, their culture mm-hmm. that puts spices on a uh, chicken and certain potato and pasta salad stuff like that is just so different. Yeah. And it's not like spicy hot like you would get from like a Hispanic family. It's just like. Like, there's no other way to describe it. It's just spice. Yeah. It's just spice. Yeah. Like, it, there's no... It's all... It's not spicy, like, spicy hot. 
It's not, you know, just a little salt and pepper like us white people. Yeah. Like, it's just like... That's what I miss about Arizona. It's like, I, I always joke about, like, how up here it's like, there's no authentic mes- Mexican food. It's all just, like, American Mexican. But in Arizona, it was just authentic. And I don't know what I'm trying to say there, because then people in L.A. are going to DM us and be like, you never had an L.A. street taco, man, and... I don't want to get in that argument, but I just, I noticed a difference. But I feel taste. like even, even like LA street tacos are like the gentrified version of like, and, and, and also else. LA is such a melting pot. Like it, yeah. you literally could eat 14 different street tacos and you're literally getting from different like parts of Mexico from different people that have never been to Mexico. Yeah. Like it's, it, it, it's just so many different cultures flavors and tastes and cultures and I mean that's what we think of now as like LA and New York but like I mean like that's originally what our whole country was supposed to be was a big melting pot I just hate the fact that when people try to say like oh Cincinnati has its own culture skyline chili (laughs) that's Greek though (laughs) yeah it really is and I mean just the fact that like I eat skyline once a week like I like skyline but, like, you're really paying, like, $10 for a small amount of garbage food. Yeah. And it's literally just, like, the name. It's like, weird because I don't even... I didn't consider it fast food for a long time because we... Growing up, I always sat down inside to eat it. And then I realized growing up, like, if it has a drive through it's fast food. And I'm like, I don't, just don't picture it because you're paying a price for, you know, like you said, cheap garbage. Yeah. So, anyways, Ben's third top, third uh, positive was he got to, to eat, eat burrito, American eat, white white yeah, um, white, white people white Mexican food. <laughs> Q, what about you? No, you go ahead, Carsten. All we'll right, counterclockwise. We'll go. I don't. We're not even in a circle. We could uh, be. My three if you puffs. imagine people across the table. Yeah. What? What if we just did an eight eight person episode? Get mics on every corner. <laughs> that would be insane. Uh, my first positive is I randomly got a twenty-five dollar check in the mail today that I wasn't expecting and didn't ask for. And I mean, it was twenty-five dollars, twenty-five dollars, but it was still like a nice surprise of like, oh, this came, it's in my name, and it's a legal check. So that was really cool. Um, just unexpected money is always cool. Send it to us. Uh, my second positive is that. Um, I, uh, you mentioned earlier, I'm wearing Emory shorts, and for those who have never, like, seen me in real life, I don't wear shorts ever. I've never felt comfortable wearing shorts, and... I don't think I've ever seen you in shorts. And not a lot of people have. I have two pairs of shorts, and, uh, I only wear them to bed, um, and I think maybe some of my girlfriends have only seen me in them on a handful of times just to wear around the house, but... I bought these Emory shorts because they were doing a, a special limited edition run. And these are, uh, the way best way to describe these are these are hardcore short athletic, uh, like uh, the material on them, you can swim yeah. in them. They're like, they're moss shorts. Yeah, moss shorts. Oh, I thought they were swim trunks. Yeah, swim trunks, moss shorts, and they're shorter, so they're, I'd say they're about three quarters. They're definitely uh, above knee. Um and the positives I'm trying to get at is I put these on and I went out in public with them last week and I felt very confident with them. I, I just, I felt comfortable. I felt confident. And then 28 years and never wearing shorts in my life out in public, it's 
it, it was a really big thing for me. So that was definitely my second positive, and I feel like maybe I'll start wearing more shorts now. And then my third positive is that um, my mom actually cooked uh, dinner for us uh, tonight. And uh, she got bell peppers, or stuffed bell peppers, green bell peppers, and um, they, it's, she, we don't cook a lot, and she doesn't cook a lot anymore, and I'm always on the go, so it's uh, really, I'm really looking forward tonight to sitting down and just having a meal with her. My three positives. I woke up still alive. The tree on the way here didn't kill me. And Karsten's still not as pretty as me. <laughs> That's, we'll settle that on in the comment section. <laughs> yes, we'll throw up a poll on the Instagram, on the Instagram story. Okay, so Q and I have known each other for about two and a half years, and I remember like recent, recently when we were on the phone, he said something about we were talking about tattoos, like we do in every episode that we've had, and he said, "Wait, you have tattoos?" And I was like, "Q, I've literally shown like you know this about me." And he no, goes, you always wear clothes that cover up everything besides your face. That's true. When really you should just be wearing a ski mask and no clothes. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know he had a head tattoo for years that, or months though until when he shaved his head one day kind of off topic of tattoos um but this it's kind of falls along the same like things um i have friends that i've been friends with for over a decade that think my first name is q and my last name is bert <laughs> can you explain that so people will do so my facebook name since i've been on facebook which is like 2008 is Qbert R. Cider. <coughs> but people always have called me different Q nicknames. Um, I was born uh, Quentin, um, which most people back in the day couldn't spell correctly, so I just started going by Q. And then after that, some people st still try to spell Q wrong. Um, but so Qbert, Qball, or that. I go by whatever. I don't care. Hey, you is even fine. Um, because I didn't realize his name wasn't... I, I knew him by Q, and I just thought Hubert was a word play on the name. But I didn't know his first name until a year and a half into our friendship. I mean, I don't really talk about it. And then the reason that it makes the most sense to go by Hubert is that video game actually came out the same week I was born which uh, a Slayer record came out that week, an Agnostic Front record came out that week, and Metallica's Kill Em All came out that week. So it's a very Pretty legendary day. week. Yeah. yeah. So you're a legend is what you're saying? No. Okay. No. <laughs> Debatable. I'm the legend they talk about in that terrible Godsmack song. Wait, which, which terrible <laughs> Godsmack song? The one that says, When Legends Rise. It's actually, I like that song, and actually... I won't make fun of Godsmack till the day I die, but it always, like, is such a funny story because, like, when they came on the scene, I was listening to a lot of new metal and rock and hardcore, and uh, Sully, before he was in Godsmack, was actually in a hardcore band, and he has three X's tattooed across his back, and he always tried to say that it symbolized that he was into porn stars, but it was really because, for a time, he was straight edge. Okay, because the triple X can go both ways. Yeah. And that's something I kind of want to talk about, too, and this 
a, a podcast that was uh, about edge and the edge, a straight edge life, but um, I kind of want to open it up, Q, and just have you, uh, if you've ever seen Q play an obnoxious boot set, he always tries to talk uh, through some of the songs and, you know, kind of give it a little intro, and he shares his story, and just for the people at home that are, might be listening that haven't heard your story, if you want to do your brief 10-minute uh, version, um, maybe 15-minute version. Okay. Um, uh, well, one, I've done shows in in the hardcore, pop punk, whatever you want to call our musical genre that spans other genres for 22 years. I think it's been since and I booked my first now? show. I'm 38. Um, so since I was a kid and there's always been other people like in the scene, like Chris also, who, you know, also does it. And like, I learned a lot from, and we still work together to, to this day, but, uh, about 2006 or seven, I kind of joined my first band that I took seriously enough that we toured and my drummer left, and then I got bummed about that, and then I took a couple years off, and then joined another band that we were about to leave for like a full US, and like was starting to get some hype. And with the music scene, did you get into that naturally? Like was that organic for you to just- The music scene? Yeah. Like to book or like to be in the music scene? To be in the music scene. Uh, I mean like, so real talk, this is not something I talk about a lot, but in fourth grade, I moved from actually right down the street here off Hamilton Avenue to Sharonville. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a culture shock for me. Um, my, my mother and father had always raised me that like we weren't rich and dad worked really hard, you know, for the little bit of money that we had. And like we had to save for things. And my mom's always been like the I'm not buying something unless it's on sale and we have a coupon for it. Uh -huh. And I remember coming to this Kroger before they rebuilt it that's right down the street on Sundays because the Thriftway was closer to our house, but we would come to the Kroger on Sundays and she would bring, she would save up like 46 double coupons because not everything was just doubled. Yeah. Back then you actually had to cut out double coupons from the newspaper. So when we moved, uh, you know, I made a couple friends. I wasn't the cool kid. Nothing like that, um, but like I had this best best way that I can describe it. Um, I remember getting on the bus like the third or fourth week at the new school, and like by that time I had made some friends and looked at a friend, and he was playing a Game Boy, mm -hmm. and and I was like, oh, what's that? And like I was like, can I play for a sec? Can I see that? And, like, you know, I played for, like, three minutes on the bus, and then he asked for it back. And I was like, oh, this is so cool, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, yeah, you should just, you know, ask your parents to buy you one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, my birthday was a month ago, and Christmas is three months from now. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I could get one for Christmas, maybe. Yeah. And he was like, your parents just won't buy you a Game Boy? Right. Like, it was expected from them. Yeah, like... We actually, one of the kids during that situation was like, actually, even back then was trying to convince me that my parents were abusing me by not buying me everything I wanted. Because, and yeah, that's what we talked about being a, in a preppy culture and a so-called like high demand. And I even see it in today's society 
But so you got into the music scene because because uh, I wasn't in the music scene then. I wasn't even into music, and I came to school one day, and somebody asked me if I had heard the new Green Day record. And at that time, the new Green Day record was Dookie, mm-hmm. and I didn't like not knowing about it. So I said, oh, is that like a musical compilation for like Earth Day this year? And I just got dug into so hard that I didn't know what Green Day was. So I had my parents take me to the mall that weekend. And I went into Camelot Music, which was across from the mall. Mm -hmm. And they had band t-shirts and things. And I had listened to my friends, the bands that they talked about, which were like Green Day, Nirvana, yeah. Offspring, Metallica. Well, and, you consider rock, mostly. Yeah. Um, and I bought, this was like right after Cobain had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the, the following fall, technically, after Cobain had passed away. And uh, I bought like a Nirvana crew neck that was on sale. I basically got like three Nirvana shirts and a Green Day shirt and a Nirvana crew neck for like 20 bucks out of like the clearance section. And they were all too big for me. They were all like three X's. And at the time I was like smaller than you are now. Mm -hmm. And I just, I wanted to be so cool. But the reason I bought it was it was if you spend $20 or more, Camelot would send you a Rockabilla magazine, which was, basically their entire catalog of where they could order their shirts. Okay. And I got that in the mail a month later, and I looked up, like, not looked up because there wasn't really internet, but looked up, like, went to record stores and tried to listen and figured out every band that was in there. So it wasn't that I was just into hardcore or anything like that. I just wanted to know everything about music. So the next time a kid came to me, with like a band. With a Green Day question, it wasn't an Earth Day question. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't something that I could get picked on for. And I found a lot of weird things through there. A lot of things that I still listen to to this day. I mean, like that's how I was introduced to Marilyn Manson. That's how I was introduced to Corrosion and Conformity. That's how I was introduced to Slayer, Crow Mags. Like everything. Would you say that you're currently like a walking encyclopedia about music? No, because I don't think I have a hold enough on my brain anymore to say that I know as much as I did even three months ago. I will say, and if we get to it, that's fine, but uh, I had an altercation with a medicine that a doctor gave me six weeks ago, and I spent four days in the hospital, completely lost my mind, and I would say I still don't have stuff 100% back from that. Regained focus. Yeah, yeah. Not focus, it's more like there are some things that I've just, like, completely lost. Yeah. And uh, so going from the music and starting to go to shows and promoting shows in the industry and then how to... So I would say, so those first three years, I wasn't allowed to go to shows. You know, I was 9, 10, and 11. Um, And one summer, I got to go to a show with my uncle. And then the following summer, my dad told me, that I could go to a show, uh, but only if I got no D's on my final report card. 
And still to this day, this is one of my funniest stories um, that I think. Uh, Mrs. Ellsbrock was my sixth grade or seventh grade math teacher. And like, I came to her before my final exam and I said, like, I need to get a passing grade on this because I want to go to OzFest. Mm-hmm. And she gave me a D. And my parents don't consider a D a passing grade. Right. So we went, after I found out I'd gotten a D in the class, I went and I said, I want to see my test. Mm-hmm. And I took my test and I showed it to my parents and I said, this clearly, like, there's no re- like. From what I got wrong and what I got right, this is an 89. Like, this is not a D. And then, like, they called and asked her, like, why she had given me a D. And she had literally said that she was like, he told me that if he passed the class, he was not he was going to go to OzFest. And I know Marilyn Manson's playing that. And he <laughs> should not be going <laughs> to see satanic bands. So she gatekeeps you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but because like, of that all- little motherfucker isn't cool enough to see <laughs> Marilyn Manson. But, I mean, I went to a Catholic, Catholic high school and stuff. Right. So, okay. Um, or Catholic grade school and Catholic high school. But, uh. But my dad basically like decided that I would still that I was still able to go, and I went. And uh, at that time, I still didn't really know like what hardcore was. Mm-hmm. Like I had like found hardcore bands, but like to me, they were either punk or metal bands. It wasn't a genre of its own. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it was. But I didn't know. No way. Yeah. yeah, I still get. I don't ask me genres. I still say <laughs> Noctilus is like, hardcore. But, like, Vision of Disorder played that year at OzFest, who are one of my favorite bands still to this day. Uh, Downset played, which is some, straddles the line somewhere between new metal and, you know, hardcore, a hardcore band. Yeah. Um, there was, I mean, Typo Negative played, which influences 90% of hardcore now. Uh, Machine Head, I've always felt, has, you know, hardcore influences, and they played, and then... Power Man 5000 played, and that's Rob Zombie's little brother. and yeah. Like, it's it's just all. So I started going to shows, and I couldn't go to everything. Yeah. But literally, like, I would ask my, like, I would pull up the Bogart schedule. Mm-hmm. I was 13, and I'd be like, Dad, there are six shows at Bogart's this week. I'd like to go to all of them. And he'd be like, well, we can go to this show this week and this show in two weeks. And my dad would always go with me. And, like, he tried to get my brother into it. My brother was not into Rock, the first and only show that me and my brother and my dad all went to the same was Fuel. Uh-huh. And that's the only show that y'all that we all went to. Um, and then 14 or 15, you know, like some of my friends had started playing in bands and they played in new metal bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and Windowpane was their band. And um, it, they, they had started when we were in eighth grade, and uh, some of those guys, basically, so windowpane was all throughout high school, and then when I graduated high school, they actually turned into Suffocate Faster. Okay. So that's where that is. And Bubble, who was the original bass player in windowpane was a punk rock kid that played in a band called the Spendthrifts, mm-hmm. is now the bass player in All That Remains. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Towning, who also... Bubble and Towning were both in Suffocate Faster, and we all went to high school together. And Towning was also, he's like 
guitar tech for In Flames. He played guitar in Devil Driver. Like, he's, like... And, like, the one funny thing... We don't need to get into me and my mom too much. Right. But the one funny thing is, like, my mom... So, Towning still works at the Kroger, mm -hmm. like, once a month so he can keep his benefits. Yeah. And, like, she always sees him and she goes, Oh, Chris was, like, on this big tour and he, like, rides around in a bus and why aren't you that successful? <laughs> because he was part of it all. Yeah. <laughs> but so... Uh, Kroger. So 15, I think it was, my 15th birthday, I booked... My uncle lived uh, out Route 4, like right before you get to uh, where Liberty Fairfield cuts across Route 4. So did you have a rough childhood overall or an easy childhood for you? Looking back now... It was rough for me, but knowing all the people I know now, like it wasn't rough. And that's the, that's the biggest problem I ever have is like a lot of people see like kids with loving parents and they go like, oh, your childhood was easy. Mm -hmm. And, like, I can see it, like, both ways. Like, I think I was spoiled a lot by my aunt, my uncle, and my... A lot. I mean, my mom definitely spoiled me. She'd do anything for me, and she still would. But I saw it a lot from my other... The females in my family more so than her. Like, I was a depressed person because, yes, I had my friends, but I got picked on a lot. And the only reason I didn't get picked on more was because I was tall. So, like, some of the, like, when I hit high school, like, seniors thought I was, like, a transferring sophomore or junior, like, yeah. that I wasn't a freshman. But a lot of people picked on me just because I had different beliefs. And then Columbine happened, and a lot of people stopped picking on me, mm -hmm. um, which we are all smirking about. But, I mean, like, that's not something as a 15-year-old kid who's, like, trying not to kill himself every day. Yeah. Like... There's like this person actually thinks like I would kill them. Like the whole point that I was thinking about as a 14, 15 year old kid about killing myself was because I didn't want to hurt anybody else. When you say that, did you feel like a burden or do you feel like? No, no. I just, I mean, like I would get angry mm -hmm. and I'd want to stab the kid that was sitting next to me, slamming my head into a locker, You'd have those but lives. it would just be easier for me to go jump off a building than have to stab that kid. So the thought of you physically harming somebody was more upsetting to you than taking your own life. Correct. Okay. Um, and that kind of changed, you know, after sophomore year. I got a little bit more involved in music around town, mostly in the new metal scene because that's what all my friends were playing in. Um, senior year, like, I was playing in a band and everything. And then first year out of high school, I kind of said, like, hey, I've done this, this, and this. I had fun in high school. Mm -hmm. Like, I've done stuff musically. Like, I need to suck it up. I need to go to college. I need to finish college. I need to, you know, live the dream world, you know. Yeah. Go to college, graduate, get a job, find a wife, white picket fence, three kids, two did kids. Did your dad uh, distill that in you, or did, is it something that you just saw in society in its whole? I would say it's something I saw in society as a whole but I but it was also kind of distilled because my dad like I did I wanted to do the oh I'll take a year off after and not go to college mm -hmm. and uh and you know that was like no you have to do this mm -hmm. and I'm like but I'm the one paying for it right so why do I have to do it like 
I was going to Wright State, which would have been a cheap school. It was like fifteen grand for the year. Mm-hmm. But up in Dayton. Yeah, yeah, it's in Fairborn. But um but uh like it's still like it was my money that I was gonna have to pay back. So why am I being forced to do something that I didn't like? Mm-hmm. And that's why after I dropped out of Wright State you know, I, I did a year where I took one night class at Xavier or I took one night class at UC Raymond Walters. How long did you make it at Wright State? Uh, two quarters. Two quarters. Yeah. And uh, by that time, I had started working at UPS. And the third quarter, I was still going to like two classes but skipping two other classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a show and Towning had texted me or called me. I don't even know if we texted back then, if it was a phone call or maybe I ran into him somewhere. And he was like, hey, there's a show. Like, here's the flyer. He's like, my new band. It's basically me and Joey from Suffocate Faster and Bubble. And, like, it's at this hall. And this hall is, you know, five minutes down the road from the college you're going to. Like, you should come check it out. Yeah. And, like, I had been to a couple hardcore shows before. By that time, knowing, like, what hardcore was. Mm -hmm. So, like, but Chris didn't know that, Towning. And Towning came up to me, like, before the show, and he was like, hey, kids hear Mosh a little differently. And, like, I said to him, I was like, oh, you mean, like, spin kicks? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I've been to hardcore shows before. Like, I know, I know, like, what's going on. Uh And, uh, And he was like, oh, okay, cool. So, uh, I, and I had been to hardcore shows before, but by saying when I was in high school, the hardcore shows I went to were like scary. Mm-hmm. Like I was always afraid hiding in the back. Like, yeah. yeah. Like did they, did they have like, uh, certain like gangs that showed up or no, no, no. It's just more like that crazy person yeah. that's like. Like, the singer would be on stage saying, like, yo, seriously, like, fuck up the person next to you. And you'd see, like, some dude that just showed up pull fucking, uh, like, a chain link with a lock on the end of it and just start beating people. So it's just violent atmospheres. And, like, but I'd also see and understand, like, that dude that just got knocked out with a chain, that dude's buying him a beer, like, ten minutes later. So, like, I understood that it was the culture. I just wasn't, I was a lot smaller than I am now, and I was, like, scrawny, and I was, like, and that's why, like, I have a lot of friends now that, like, they even say that they thought I was older because they remember me from back then, but never, like, me going hog wild or anything like that. Like, I was sneaking into Top Cats and Sudsies when I was 16, 17. Because you get away with it. Yeah. So you went to the show, and what happened there? Uh, Suffocate Faster played, uh, Death Through Adam played, which is Phil Eugenius's first band. They were like, uh, they were from Mason and they were like, a like a Zayo sounding band. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think Never Again played that show. I think My Wings Denied played that show, but I can't remember. But it was basically like the best and the brightest of hardcore from Cincinnati and Dayton at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was just... Uh, I, that was the first time I met Fudd. He sang in Never Again. I don't remember if Never Again did play, but I met Fudd. And Fudd was like, yeah, dude, like, you should come to shows. Like, 
have fun. Like, and I was just hooked. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you're like 21, 22? No, I'm 19. Oh, still 19 and teenage. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then uh, I started going to every hardcore show because by that time, you know, like, I can go to a $6 hardcore show or, like, I can go to five of those a week mm-hmm. or I can go to one $25 Bogart show. Right. And, like, I was still going, like, I still had friends that listen to punk, and I still had friends that listen to new metal, and I would go with them to other shows. Like, I remember going to Snowcore yeah. at Bogart's with, like, Trapped Finger Eleven and Smile Empty Soul, <laughs> and then the next day, literally seeing Hate Breed, God Forbid, Sworn Enemy, Poison the Well, and Throwdown. Mm-hmm. And it was just, just like, it was, back to back different. it was like the same thing. It was just like, I just loved music, mm-hmm. and I still love music, but I mean, like, I would say after about a year of all of that, I started consistently only going to hardcore shows most of the time. I mean, like, I remember, like, friends would hook me up with, like, going to see, like, Black Crows and Gin Blossoms at, like, Riverbend. But, yeah. like, and I, I one year I took my mom for Mother's Day to see Nickelback and Three Doors Down. I wish I was at that show. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... But I predominantly went to hardcore, and I'd say probably about the time I was just about to turn 21, mm-hmm. I think. It was after I got back from the Army, and uh, I had met somebody in Louisville that was doing, like, uh, uh, like a merch. Like, they would bring their own merch and sell, and then I started asking Chris if I could do that, and he was like, sure, and then he would be like, hey if you're going to do this, can I get help with this? And then I started like booking like the smaller stuff that Chris didn't want to book. And then Chris needed help finding a, uh, like a soundboard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just kind of led in from there. And then we started finding like new places to do shows. And then like, we pretty much just started working together and that was 15 years ago. And that's all she wrote after that. Yeah, pretty much. Because that's, I mean, that's how every, I would say most, 90% of people in Cincinnati, 95, know you as, you and Chris as the hardcore promoters of Cincinnati. And I mean, that's strictly what it is. And that's how we met and the show in your basement. And now we didn't even meet at that show. But that's how it all came about. Uh... So as you were growing up and then you were tra- primarily got into hardcore um, and then you had some uh, medical issues come up along the way. As he's chewing his payday, we are going to take this time to say shout out Payday, the protein <laughs> bar that keeps on giving. If you like nuts and you want nuts in your mouth, you grab a Payday and you will be satisfied. A peanut butter taste with peanut wrapping. Also available in king size and good news gluten people it is gluten free i hear there's i hear there's people out there that are willing to pay good money to have nuts in their mouth so i've heard i've also heard there's people out there that like to get kicked in the nuts and pay good money for that that's true he had said something there i looked at ben when you were talking about the gatekeeping story with the d and she and pat or uh give me a d and i was had a joke lined up but i held that back so hard but that's okay. She was an attractive teacher. You would have wanted to give her the D. Okay. There it was. So, well, that stereotype makes there it the same. Is. Okay. So, fast forward to 2012. Left out, broke up because of a drummer issue again. And I felt like I still wanted to say something. So, I sat down with a friend and uh, 
started writing the first. It was never going to be an album. We just wanted. To, we just wrote four like boot songs that I wanted to like. And originally, I wasn't going to have any set lyrics to these songs. Mm-hmm. Like I literally was going to improv it every time I played a show. So 2013, I did early boot stuff. 2014, decided to record the first EP, which was five songs. Mm-hmm. Later in 2015 because I actually had been already playing those songs for so long, wrote, uh, These Stages Are Made For Diving. And then, go back to 2014. I was in Florida at a festival, moshing, and all of a sudden got this really weird pain where it felt like nobody was around me, but I had gotten kicked in the nuts. And you were living in Ohio at the time still? Yeah. Okay. I felt that pain. I came home. I tried to get it looked into. Did you care about your health growing up? So I had like sports induced asthma. So like I tried to run cross country as like a freshman and I played hockey all four years. Mm-hmm. But hockey, I guess, never really affected it because hockey is like such short shifts okay. and stuff. So I never really cared about my health, mostly because I was like, I'm not living past 18. And then when you get to 18, you're like, I'm not living past 21. And then 25. And then you're like, I'm not living past 25. And then 32. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 29 when the Florida thing happened. I came home. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. They finally did an ultrasound on my abdomen and found that my right kidney was the size of a quarter. How big should your uh, kidney be? The size of your fists. Okay, so if you have a quarter next to you right now at home, just go ahead and put that by your fist, and there's your comparison. So basically that my kidney had probably stopped working when I was four, and my body had been dealing with it my entire life, and I just never knew. How, how does that go unnoticed? Like, did the professionals ever explain that to you? How does it go unnoticed? I mean, like, you would have to have a legitimate ultrasound of your abdomen to find that out. Yeah, because, like, you, I mean, you only really, like, need one kidney to function. Yeah. Okay. So if one is, like, fucked up, you're, you're never really going to know about it. Yeah. So, okay. and they never biopsied that kidney to figure out, or my other kidney to figure out what actually happened. They just gave me, like, seven different options of what could have happened. Mm-hmm. And, like, everybody thought, I had I, been a heavy drinker for years, and everybody thought that it might be that. But the doctors assured me, you know, like, that kills your liver before it kills your kidney. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, what else? So they tried to throw out some stuff there. When I was 19 was the first time I got really injured at my job at UPS. And I knew I had a highly addictive personality, you know, smoking, drinking, stuff like that. Party life. Party life. And uh, they tried to prescribe me Percocets. Mm -hmm. And I did not want to take that. And I was like, you got to give me something else, something that's not narcotic, not something that I can get addicted to. Um, because I did, I had dealt with a small drug problem earlier in my life and I didn't want to go back to that. And, uh, they basically prescribed me, uh, an 800 milligram ibuprofen and said, take this three times a day. Mm -hmm. And like when the doctor says that. Doesn't that ibuprofen also kill your liver though? No, it kills your kidney. Tylenol kills your liver. So, uh, but when I was told that. My doctor said, oh, I told you that assuming that the pain would go away in a month and you would stop taking it. I took it for nine and a half years. Jesus Christ. Every day, 2,400 milligrams of ibuprofen every day for nine and a half years. Yeah. 
until like I found out about my kidney and they said, you cannot take ibuprofen anymore, like at all. So that, that, that could be one of the things also found out Nexium, which I was taking for my acid reflux also is something that you're only supposed to take for three weeks at a time and not your entire life. Um, there's a couple other different things. I mean, it could have just been genetic. Do you wish you had a piece of mind of knowing or what, what was your, like, when did you feel content with like this? When did you come to the acceptance point? Okay. So at that time they said my left kidney was still at 50% and I would probably have to start dialysis around age 40. And dialysis for short version is what dialysis is. You get hooked up to a machine and it basically does what your kidney does. It filters your blood, takes all the toxins out of it and the extra fluid. Because once you start dialysis, you stop peeing, Mm -hmm. which I haven't peed in six or seven years. Hell yeah, brother. Um, But I poop a lot. Um, But anyways, uh, I was basically told that I would have to start dialysis by age 40. So I'm thinking fuck that, I'll just die when I'm 40. Mm -hmm. That gives me a decade to live. I can just do what I want. Mm -hmm. So I went into heavy, heavy drinking for two years. And this was after you had sobered up or processed? Uh, I I was in the middle of one. So basically, my life has been like three or four years heavy drinking, two years sobriety, three or four years heavy drinking, two years sobriety. So you're doing the intermittent partying... So four years on, two years off. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I basically just did what I wanted, ignored all my doctor's phone calls, and just kept going. And then two years later, I got super sick, um, which clearly is my fault for not keeping up with it. But uh, so at 31, uh, when I decided, you know, I had been feeling super sick, I went back got basically the same tests I got and they said well you were at 50% and now you're at 5% mm-hmm. and they said like we need to start you on dialysis ASAP so it would have had you not done what you did it would have <coughs> lasted until you're 40 they I think, don't probably? know I don't think so I've had several doctors say it probably didn't help but I've also had several doctors say it probably didn't push it like, they said that I could have literally gone and lived a Buddhist life and probably would have still been in the same boat. Because they don't know the deterioration of the first kidney. Correct. Okay. So you start dialysis. So I start peritoneal dialysis, which is something you can do at home where you basically get an implant in your stomach, you fill your stomach up three different times a day, you keep 26 pounds of water fluid it's not really water it like it's supposed to like drain the toxins from your body and then you drain that um i tried to do that doing it myself was not very easy for me um i spent i'd say at least six months going to doctor's appointments with my parents where i'm just like i don't like any of this like i'd rather just die like um, and, and I don't even, in that kind of situation, like, I don't even think I was suicidal. I was just like, like, this is a change mm-hmm. and I don't want to do it. Um, what's your definition between suicidal and depression, like severe depression versus being suicidal? Because I think to a lot of people it's comes differently. 
I think severe depression can cause suicidal thoughts, but most people, in my opinion, that I've met or seen with severe depression don't want to kill themselves because that would be too much effort. Mm -hmm. That they just are like, I hope while I'm crossing the street, this truck hits me. Yeah, I think that's kind of... But I'm not going to throw myself in front of this truck. When I used to uh, live in Delhi in Cincinnati, and I would drive uh, over the Brent Spence Bridge every day, and I'd look at it as a sign, like, any of these... Like, twice a day, I drove over the world's most dangerous bridge, and uh, (coughs) I would always think that thought, and it would either go one of two ways. I'd be like, this could be the day I just... Or eat my car off it, or not today, and it always went one of two ways. And I think that's how I was able to judge where I was mentally, and kind of look at it that way. But so I did fourteen months of peritoneal mm-hmm. to where I just like I just couldn't do it. Like for some reason, I felt like whenever I had the liquid in, I was just too heavy, and I couldn't even like walk. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, it didn't help that my nephrologist was like, oh, this works for a 75-year-old, 72-pound lady. Like, why are you such a pussy? You can't fucking do it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, I definitely don't want to do it if you're going to talk to me like that. <laughs> uh, so everybody always says to not do the fistula, which is what I do to hook up to the machine because, like, you have to find a clinic to go to and you have to set up an appointment time and you have to sit there for depending on two to five hours. Some people, I have a friend that does an eight hour shift. Like he goes in at midnight and they wake him up at eight. Yeah. But anyways, I was like, this is not something that I can force myself to do. Like I need to be forced to do this. Mm -hmm. So like I got that taken care of. And originally they put, like a, uh, I can't think of the word, but it goes in your chest and it basically does the same thing, but it's a lot less healthy. Um, but it, they put the fistula in and it usually takes about three to six months for it to grow to where it like, it like is good to go and you can use it. Um, those first three to six months were terrible. Um, there was, I was still in the kind of in that stage where it was like, like, I don't, I don't like the whole time I was doing peritoneal, like I was telling my doctors that I was doing it, but I wasn't doing it mm-hmm. and I still felt fine. Why were you lying to your doctors? Because that was just easier. Okay. But, um. Do you think you were in denial or you just didn't care? I didn't care and I also didn't think it was that big of a deal because like I said like I was just like when I would fill myself up with this I'd feel like crap but like if I didn't I didn't feel bad like it I didn't feel like I needed dialysis like I didn't think it was helping Mm -hmm. like it was just making me feel worse and that's kind of the way I felt for the first three to six months of uh hemodialysis which is through the machine but uh, there was one week where I, like, overslept on a Sunday because there was a show, mm-hmm. like a Sunday night. So I missed Monday. And then Wednesday, I was... you did it three times a week, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I did it three times a week then. I do it four times a week now. 
But, um, you know, Tuesday night, actually, I wasn't doing nights at this time. Uh, I was in the mid-morning, so 10 a.m., where I go at 5 a.m. now. But uh, I just didn't, Wednesday, I was like, oh, I already missed Monday. I don't want to go today. Didn't call them or anything, just didn't go. So that's two consecutive. Yeah. So Friday, I was like, I still feel fine. Why do I need to go? And I didn't go. I had my appointments at 10. And at noon, a cop shows up. At your house? Yeah. Are you, are, are you Quentin Sider? Yes. Uh, do you realize that you've missed three dialysis sessions? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, they've been trying to get a hold of you. Do you know why you haven't picked up your phone or anything? And I was like, I just didn't feel like it. And he said, well, I need to escort you to your clinic. Why was this in a medical... Is this considered like a medical emergency? Yes and no. I've gotten multiple answers from multiple people about it. Finish your story first, uh, and then we can attack a different question. I was like, I don't want to go. And he was like, okay, sir, you have two options. I can follow you to the clinic right now, watch you walk in, watch you get hooked up to the machine, and leave, and you can go about your day. Or I can arrest you, take you downtown, forcibly take you to your clinic, watch you get hooked up to the machine, and then you can come back to court for not listening to me. Could it be voluntary? They look By at not doing dialysis, I am considered trying to kill myself. Voluntary. Yeah, and therefore, the state is allowed to step in and arrest me for attempted murder on myself. And the thing is, I've gotten into other talks about it Mm -hmm. um, because I said, what if I had cancer and I decided to stop doing chemo? chemo? Which was, it's an option in itself, isn't it? Yes. Okay. So, cancer, cancer patients... 55% of the time are available to get Social Security. Mm -hmm. Kidney patients are 100% of the time get Social Security. Because the chance of life is less? Cancer, you can... It was never completely explained to me, Mm -hmm. but basically cancer and doing chemo is considered harder than doing dialysis. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically... They said, if you as a person, and I found this out mostly during the pandemic, but if you as a person actually do want to stop doing dialysis, you have to see two psychiatrists or psychologists Mm -hmm. that say that you are of the right mind to make this decision to end your life. And you've been through, uh, you've already been diagnosed as of, with. Can I, if you're comfortable, we'll cut yeah, it bipolar. Yeah. And because you're diagnosed, you can't legally make those some decisions. Oh, uh, no, I could technically, if I could go to two psychologists and prove to them that I'm of legally sound mind, okay. so that I could do it, but I can't do it on my own okay. without taking those steps. Gotcha. Um, but do you want to? Do you, no, I mean, like, I'm fine with dialysis now. Like, I actually feel better on dialysis days now. And I do on non... Like, today sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, 
it, it wasn't a bad day. Walking up the stairs up here kind of sucked. Yeah. But I mean, that's because like now that I'm doing no, now that I'm doing four days a week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are all awesome days. I only go for three hours. They pull whatever I want off, and I can basically keep going. Keep going. So you feel better now that they've increased it and then you're doing it more frequently than they did when it was... So it's actually a shorter time because I used to do three, four-hour days and now I'm doing four, three-hour days. So it's actually a shorter time daily, same amount of time. Total. Total. And I can... Like, weekends are the worst. Okay. Because that's the longest I have to go without dialysis and that's two days. So with the, through doing dialysis and then um, let's I want to talk a little bit about your physical pain that came with it as well because recently as in a few months ago weeks ago you went through something where you've been in and out of the hospital more this year than you have in a while. So my fistula basically backed up. Um, it is very common actually in dialysis patients that dialysis starts to be what's killing you. Mm-hmm. But you can't live without it. Right. So they have to find ways or, around that and stuff. And it does cause physical pain, uh, joint pain. I mean, you start to swell, uh, just anything like that. Um, I ran for a long time on the feeling that, like, even though my blood pressure was so high, like, I would not be able to get through the day without caffeine. And I'm literally staring at Karsten's monster rehab that I haven't had in six weeks. But that used to be my drink of choice as well, which would have been fine if I would have brought my water in, but I forgot to bring my water in because it was raining. So we were talking about a lot of your, how you went through so much growing up and how you went through dialysis and physical pain. And uh, we opened up and I was like, Mr. Gotta Keep It Positive because that is one of the obnoxious boot songs. and Good vibrations. Good Stolen vibrations. from Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. We actually are going to try to plug that song at the end too uh, with Anchor. Thank you, Anchor FM, because you have that tool to provide us with. So if you're listening on, on Spotify, uh, we're going to try to plug that song at the end here or beginning. And uh, so with all the shit that you went through and all the negativity and all the just the mental disorders, the depression, the bipolar, the suicidal thoughts, dialysis, um, constantly being knocked on your feet every day and going through all that, you still choose to fight and you find a reason to live. And there's times where I told you about, like, my, uh, read the original post about suicide that me and Ben did. And I went to you and I remember I said, um, how, I, I, like, the responses I was getting from that original post were, were overwhelming me. And it's like, I don't know how to respond to this. Like, what do I do? And I think his exact words, if I remember correctly, you said, you don't, you just keep living and prove them wrong. And then you shared a no bragging rights song with me and put me in tears that night in the basement. So, um, I mean, for me, as it should be for everyone, if you can push past most of the things you can't push past, but you can push past your suicidal thoughts or you can learn to adapt and use them in positive ways. But I mean, like, at the end of the day, I'll say, I'll give a story that always sounds weird and selfish, but it always 
is kind of what keeps me going and keeps me positive. The last time I actually tried to kill myself, and I don't remember why I did it. I just remember being upset and wanting to end it, and I was 26. And me, Chris, and Brad were running Flop Johnson's, and I was in the hospital for three or four days. And I came out, and I came back to work, and Chris smacked me in the back of the head and said, you're going to leave me here on this earth by myself? Yeah. Fuck you. He was pissed. Yeah. And I've, I've never, you know, I've thought about, like, what if this truck hits me or maybe crossing the street? Like, go ahead. I'm going to crosswalk. Mm-hmm. Hit me. But I've never, like, ever since then, I've just never thought about killing myself. And if you can get pushed past that and can get through that, the real question is why. Like, this life's already short. Like, my life will be shorter because I'm sick. But it's not shorter than the 12-year-old kid that got hit by a car. It's not shorter than the 6-year-old boy that gets leukemia. Like, even if you're living a full 100-year life, that's short as hell mm-hmm. to, like, what human beings live. Like, why would you... Why does it take people like us getting sick to realize that every day you should do everything you want to do, therefore, to live the fullest extent of your life do you feel like you turned fear into confidence or do you still feel no i'm not confident whatsoever (laughs) okay i don't think any of us are but how do you feel like that you changed that uh, mentality for yourself it was so do you think that the chris slapping your head was like your saving grace point um i think it happened at the right time i think I don't necessarily believe in fate, but I do believe that things happen at the right time. Uh, Like, I think at 19 or 20, if Chris would have done that to me, I would have been pissed that I wasn't getting pity. Mm -hmm. But at 26, like, I understood. And, like, even now, like, at this point, like, I live my life and I do what I think is right. And if I get into a situation where either I get out of control or somebody else gets out of control and we stop being friends however, something, like, once my anger has subsided, you know, like, I'll step back and I'll be like, yo, like, this is a situation. I can't change it. I hope this person, you know, lives a full life and does everything they want to do, but they pushed me to this point and I can't be there for them anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. But I also try to... My biggest problem, and if something... And it really has nothing to do with mental health, but it kind of does have something to do with mental health. We live in a society now, and it's not just young people, it's also people our age, but we live in a society now where everybody is online... 24 7 mm-hmm. and you're talking to that person on instagram you're playing against that person on P- playstation 5 and you're literally talking shit mm-hmm. like i'm not good at call of duty and i played call of duty for a couple of years and i remember nine-year-olds being like i'm gonna fuck your mom and run your child over with a truck 
And like everybody just grows up thinking like chat rooms are wild. Yeah, it just grows up. And I mean like that happened when I was a kid too, like in AIM. Like like I didn't even think about it back then, but there'd always be AIM or Yahoo chat rooms where it's just somebody like Hey, are there any 15-year-old girls in this room that want to fuck? I live in New York. Where do you live? Yeah. And it's like, yo, that's like clearly not okay now. But back then, it like people just were like, oh, that dude's a creep. We'll just ignore him. Yeah, they didn't blink an eye. Yeah, but and I mean like, but the biggest problem I think we have is like you go from that where you're like playing a video game against somebody. Like on PlayStation Five and talking all this shit on a stra- to a stranger mostly. Yeah, and then you get on Facebook to maybe not a stranger but somebody you don't know, and it's the same thing in your brain. Like you're just on the internet, mm-hmm. so they're like, "Yo, I don't like your opinion. Like I'm gonna punch you in the face," and then you say like, "Oh, I'm gonna shoot you." And then you, like, just said that to the wrong person, but you think you said it on social media, so it shouldn't really matter. But then when that person finds you in real life and knocks your teeth out, you're yeah. like, why am I getting my teeth knocked out? Because they, we never grew up with the repercussions, uh, I think, on that end. It's so nobody, we always said it talked a big game, but it was never, like, it, I thought we'd think it was fun. It was a game to us. But in real life, when you're talking about somebody personally like that and they take it directly uh it can become a big deal because you don't know what that person's going through you don't know anything about them and i think it goes along with having boundaries which is something that we all in this room try to live our life by is having those respected boundaries with each other and making sure we don't cross a line because we all know where our weak points are with each other and if you don't um it's not okay to cross those thresholds so, with all that being said, and uh, just the uh, positivity mentality, um, what's your positive wrap-up cue? What is this one thing that you want people to know going forward about dealing with physical health, mental health, uh, anything like that, that um, they just something that you want to share to them? Um, live every day like it is your last Any day on the disc golf course is better than a day not on the disc golf course. Um, Never be ashamed of your favorite band lyric. Um, I think a lot of people in their 20s like worry about what their peers would think. Um, I know I probably did. I mean, like one of my favorite lyrics is a newer lyric from The Ghost Inside, whereas like one group of my friends like all love the ghost inside and one group of my friends like oh that's a poser band fuck you mm-hmm. um one of the biggest things after getting sick and i've finally come to terms with in the last four years like i don't care like i just recently got my like head tattoo touched up and we only shave that part and like everybody's like that's a weird goofy haircut and i'm like who am i trying to impress i don't give a shit mm-hmm. Kind of like with me wearing shorts, it's like I just... Yeah, and that's the same thing with me because, like, I have all these scars now from up and down weight to where my skin was actually, like, cracking and breaking. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm ashamed, ashamed of my legs. But then, like, at the same time, I'm like, do I really want to be this warm with sweats on? Like, we're not auditioning for anything in life anymore. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I don't care about those kind of things. I don't care if I look pretty. Like, I'm losing weight because that's 
what I have to do to be healthy mm-hmm. with my condition. I'm not losing weight to like look pretty. Yeah. Like I've never been a pretty dude. I've had a goatee my whole life. I look like <coughs> I sing in a fucking new metal band from 1998. I dress mm-hmm. like I play bass in a new metal band from 1998. It's still 1998, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, always. Because emo never died. Oh, uh, so last quote that I will give, because uh, I do. So the reason, like, I have always enjoyed coming up with quotes is because basically every song I've ever written, I've always come up with, like, one line and then written the rest of the song around that. Um, So I'll actually quote something from that. Uh, When I was in Left Out, we had a song called Letters in Stone. Uh, It was about friends that had passed away and stuff. And it's still my favorite line that I've ever written to this day. And it's the final two lines in the song. Um, and it's, should I feel blessed for having so many friends or cursed to have to bury all of them? Mm. That's really deep. And, uh, the, uh, last quote that I will actually give is one I came up with last year and I'm pretty sure somebody told me this, but I can't remember who, so I can never quote them from it. But it's your 20s are for fucking up, your 30s are for fixing it, and your 40s are for living. And if you make it to your 50s, just keep on living. Mm-hmm. Right on. Q, thank you so much for coming on and talking so much about just an open... I still poop a lot. ...introspective <laughs> of your life, and uh, as well as your mental and physical health. I think that uh, it's definitely going to help a lot of people, and I've even taken away a lot of good things from this. And for those of you listening to this episode, Ben was here in this room. I'm still here. He's he's still <laughs> here. And a lot of um, a lot of this was a conversation with me and Q, and uh, Ben was on here too. So we don't more thunder. Here yet. comes another storm. You know, like there there's like one thing to like understand about the podcast is, you know. We have, you know, we've, we've already had, like, so many people that, you know, say, like, oh, I want to come on the podcast, talk about this, talk about this. And, you know, it's not like there there are some people that, like, with Sarah, like, I don't know Sarah super well. Um, but, like, Karsten, like, you're very close with Sarah. There's going to be, like, certain relationships that, like, I'm closer with the person and it's going to be more driven between us. And, you know, Karsten will, like, kind of give his, you know, one what, what the narration fuck? yeah yes of uh, words what's going on. words <laughs> and i i didn't do that this words <laughs> words just expect that you know there's going to be different we're all going to play different roles and and maybe some of the episodes and we don't even have to say this but uh some of the episodes that may be a solo one-on-one setting with a guest and then uh, ben will do the editing or ben will have the conversation with the person or i'll have a conversation with the person i mean these are all going to be different, and we're all going to we're going to try and learn as we go. Um, but so don't feel like um, I kicked Ben out of the show because I didn't. Not yet. Not until we sell out. I think Ben would beat your ass. Oh, I know he would because he goes to the gym and I drink. Yeah. You oh, know there's what's... a clip. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be in it for sure. You know what? I do want to tell one story that um, before we took our intermission, Q reminded me of this story. Um, because Q mentioned that I was being too quiet in this episode. And, uh, I remember this was like 2019 probably cause this, yeah, I think it was like 2019 or like early 2020. Cause it was like not one of the last shows before quarantine, but it was like, um, coming up on it. We 
there was a show, it was like Gideon and Varials at, uh, <laughs> at Legends. And me and Carson are sitting talking to Q, <coughs> and Q is like, oh, yeah, like mention something offhand, like, oh, yeah, Ben doesn't like me. And I was like, wait, what? what <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And Q's like, yeah, every time I like try and talk to you or say hi, you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever, and just kind of walk away. And I like had to explain to Q, like, it's just kind of how I am. Like, uh, whatever, that's just a lie. Ben just cool, guys. <laughs> Fuck you, Q. Yeah. Q also had The truth show. is that I hate Q's guts. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, me too. <laughs> I remember the distinctly Q also at the show said, I would like getting only if they made a shirt that said, We don't believe in God anymore. <laughs> we don't anymore. believe in God anymore. <laughs> And, uh, I don't remember I, saying that. I think about that daily because I love Gideon. I, do, yeah. <laughs> I really wish Gideon would just make a shirt that said, we literally started as a band to be a Jesus ghost inside. Because that's all those first two records are. Yeah. Um, I do have something to say because I was told to pump this up. So if you live in the Cincinnati area or you're a band coming through, I do book full-time at Legends now. Feel free to hit me up or the Legends email and... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'll, I'll, I complain about doing shows sometimes. Sometimes they're a pain in the butt, but we'll always be doing them. We'll always make sure there's something here in Cincinnati. And yeah. for people who aren't listening on or finding us on Facebook, uh, how can people get a hold of you in Legends? Uh, if it's Legends, it's booking cincylegends at gmail.com. Or if you want to just Facebook message me, it's Qbert R. Sider. I've never found anybody else with that name on Facebook, so I think if you type the whole thing, you can definitely find me. Um, also, check out my music, The Obnoxious Boot. It's on Spotify. Um, hopefully, I'll have a new song by August or September, so hopefully Palooza or Fried Fest. And uh, fuck you, Ben. <laughs> yeah, um, I want to add to that. Um, okay. Yes, fuck me. Um, but no I want to add if you live in Cincinnati or the surrounding areas and you ever find yourself saying wow there's never any bands that come to Cincinnati uh, first of all you're an idiot you just don't pay enough attention Mm -hmm. Um, but second of all just send a friend request to Q send a friend request to Chris Alsip they literally post any shows that they book um, if you're paying any attention, like there's always a show going on, like yeah. for and real. Sarah told you on the last episode. First show back, July 22nd. Sing was a bog, 200 stab wounds. Ooh. That'd be crazy. Very, really very violent Your show. Disease Your disease's first show. First show. Forced to rot's first show. Can't wait to get punched in the face for the first time in like a year and a half. I have to ask you on the podcast because nobody can see you, but is that a lightsaber through a wampus head? It is, yeah. That is tight. We'll post it up on the Instagram. Yeah, we've said that about everything, and I've posted nothing yet. So by the time this comes out, I hope I get caught up. (laughs) Okay, Karsten, I realize you have tattoos now, but what's your newest tattoo, and how long ago was it? (laughs) I have two tattoos, guys. I got one when I was 18, like everybody does. And it's uh, actually in Russian. It says family in Russian, but it's written in Russian. I think I said that enough. They get it. And then the other one I have on my forearm uh, was done in 2018 by Dave Halsey uh, in Cincinnati. And it's a Russian stacking doll in American traditional style. 
Um, and uh, I got it to symbolize, uh, it, Russian second doll symbolized maternity with females. And uh, being adopted, and uh, as I shared on the first episode, uh, my whole story, it was, it was something that was very symbolic to me. And uh, I think that uh, my mom hates tattoos. She doesn't believe that an inked body is of more to say. And she doesn't want me to be covered with them and something she's always been really strong to say about. But I remember when I came home and showed her the Russian stacking doll, she didn't, she wasn't disappointed. And it was, it's a feeling that I remember. She was accepting and she actually, I, I believe that, I choose to believe that she was respected and humbled by it. So I got one last thing to say. Wooden splinters are worse than getting stabbed. Good night, and he is walking away. <laughs> On that episode, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to the third episode of Mental Health Monday. Um, we know this one was a little bit longer due to uh, just the conversation, and that's what we aim to do. Is uh, Don't expect an hour every time. Some of them might go longer. Some of them might go under. Some of them might save for bonus content. You never know what's coming with us. Um, we love you all, and again, thank you for listening. Thank you for following. We've been blown away by the response so far. Yep. And uh, hit up mhmpod.com if you want to get in touch with us. Um, Also, we are on Instagram um, under Mental Health Monday. Mentalhealthmonday.info is the Instagram. Is our Instagram page. I'm pointing it up right now just to clarify, and then we will cut that up. Mentalhealthmonday.info for the Instagram page. So that's our Insta. And myself and Carson are on Facebook. We share whenever episodes are dropping. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as the Anchor FM app. Um, We will be dropping episodes weekly. And uh, any updates, we also post to our Facebook, to our Instagram. uh, So you can see neat little promos as well as little sneak peeks into who our next guest is going to be. Because you never know, our next guest might be like, Chris Motionless or something. You, you that would never, be really tight. You never really know. We've been talking to some names in our group chat, so... Yeah. You get Johnny from prison. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Honestly, I would love to have Johnny from prison on. But not Johnny Craig. No. Thanks for tuning in, guys, this week. Uh, it was a super fun episode. Huge thanks to Q for being on the show this week. Speaking of Q, we are going to leave this podcast off with one of Q's songs from the obnoxious boot called Good Vibrations. See you guys next week.